Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. How delighted I am to see you yet again at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have a curious item, actually many curious items to show you. This not an often explored section of the shop, if you'll follow me this way. Uh, you'll see on the shelf here we have various decanters, flasks, jars, and bottles full of what looks like ordinary water. But these are samples from numerous natural springs throughout the world. And of course, many of these natural springs have been touted for their curative properties. But this one over here on the end comes from a particular spring where the curative benefits always come with a price. And therein lies our tie to today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, Night Swim. So, Night Swim is a movie that I've been hearing about for a while, and I can't remember how long ago, maybe early last year is when I first started seeing some of the teasers, but it just feels like I've been hearing about this movie coming out for quite some time, and we finally got the theatrical release. Of course, this movie was released on January 5th, this past Friday, and as anybody who... It has their finger on the pulse of modern cinema. They know that this first part of the year, January, February, is kind of like the barren wasteland for movies that studios just have no faith in whatsoever. And a lot of times it's considered that all the dregs of cinema are released at this time of year, which I think is a bit of a stretch, especially these days. I, I do believe that January, February, maybe even into March, that, that first quarter of the year, I think a lot of studios do dump the films that they have no faith in. Megan came out, I believe, last March, and I don't think that the studio had any faith in this movie. Now, this movie turned out to be quite the hit. Everybody loves Megan. Not everybody loves Megan, but I really liked Megan. It turned out at the time, I'm like, oh, this is one of the best movies so far this year. It turned out, for my money, there were a lot better films that came out later as far as horror goes. But I still really liked Megan. I just think Megan was a movie that they needed to take further. And they played it a little too safe with this. And I think that is kind of what you get with especially horror movies this time of year. You get movies that studios are afraid they're not going to do well. So they kind of put them here to give them a theatrical release. But if they don't make any money, that's okay. We didn't have faith in it anyway. I think you have that. I think you have movies that studios 
really push a PG-13 rating because they want to get the most audience they can. And if you make it R and teenagers can't go to see it, you're cutting away part of your audience and part of your potential box office draw. And I think you got a lot of that with Night Swim. I think it was a movie that they... Uh, the studio just did not have any faith in once it was all said and done. And I also think maybe the studio, I, I don't know what the intention of director Bryce McGuire was, if he intended to make an R-rated film or if it was always intended to be PG-13, but I can't imagine the studio, even if there was an intention of doing an R-rated film, I can't imagine the studio letting that happen because of their lack of faith and because they want to give this movie a chance to be seen by as many people as possible, including teenagers. So I, I can see that being a reason it was PG-13. And this is a movie that I think could have gone a little farther, much like Megan. I think Megan needed to go further. I, I think just given the nature of this robot that has come to life and causing mayhem, it needed to go further. This, I don't think it needed to go further, but I think there were some moments where it might have helped a little bit. And, and maybe that's not even the reason that... Uh, I ultimately enjoyed this movie. I liked this movie. This movie was not without its problems, though. Uh, I don't think not going far enough was one of those problems, even though it probably could have. I don't know whether it should have. I don't know whether it needed to go further than it did. But uh, we'll we'll get into all the this, that, and the other thing of what I found uh, enjoyable and not so enjoyable about this movie. But ultimately, like I said, I did enjoy this movie. When I came out of the movie, I watched it with my brother-in-law, and we both we both liked it. It wasn't a bad movie. I've seen some reviews, and I've read some reviews, people criticizing it because it's not this, it's not that. You know, I've heard things about the script being horrible. I don't think the script's horrible. Uh, there were some storytelling things that I think probably could have been done better. But ultimately, it was an interesting story. Uh, it was an interesting cast. I, I really enjoyed the cast of this movie. And it had some legit scares. I mean, it had some shitty jump scares. And James Wan is a producer on this film. And you can't have a James Wan-produced film or a James Wan-directed film without a bunch of jump scares that are accompanied with a loud sound effect or musical sting to startle you into being scared at the jump scare than actually scaring you. I love James Wan. I love a lot of his movies. But that is the one thing that... I just, I can count on in any James Wan produced or directed film is that the jump scares are going to be more startling than scary. But that's not to say there weren't some scary and legitimately creepy moments. And we'll talk about that in some particular moments that I found creepy and scary once we get into the spoiler section. But uh, ultimately, I thought this was an interesting movie. This baseball player who has been diagnosed with MS, uh, played by Wyatt Russell, Ray Waller, he and his family move to this place where he can get some, some rehab and try and fight this MS diagnosis. And they find this house with a pool. The price is great, much like any haunted house movie where the family uh, wasn't going to move there, but the price was just too good to be true. And that's what you got with this. And there, I think there are a lot of 
parallels between this movie and a lot of other horror movies, uh, ghost story movies, haunted house movies that we'll talk about in the in the spoiler section. But they move to this house and find that the pool is a little more than they thought it was. That has properties for good or ill. And, you know, you, you get this in the trailer. So it's not really a spoiler. I'm not going to go into to detail just yet. But you, you find that this pool has more to it than they expect. It has some benefits and it also has some drawbacks, we'll say the least. And if you get a chance to, you don't have to to watch this movie. But it, it really is interesting to watch the short film that this was based off of. The, the short film is from 2014 I believe and it is directed and, and written by uh, Bryce McGuire and also Rod Blackhurst. Uh, they did the short film called Night Swim and you see a lot of the a lot of the shots and a lot of the ideas from this short film and it's only like it's like just under four minutes long it's not even that but you see a lot of notes from this and you see a lot of things that happen in this short film and how it translated to the film. It was kind of interesting. You don't have to watch the short film Night Swim to enjoy the movie, but it is kind of neat to to see, you know, where the roots of this movie came from. But like I said, uh, the, the cast is really good. Wyatt Russell, this baseball player who is sick, he's, he's been diagnosed with MS. You know, that's all he wants to do is get back to playing baseball and maybe unrealistically thinking that he's going to beat MS and, and get back into playing ball because that's all he really knows. And there's a note at the end of the movie that I wish they would have played into a little more. The idea that all he's ever been good at is baseball and he's never felt like he's been very good at being a father and a husband. I wish they would have played into that more. Because that, I think, would have made the ending have a little more power to it. You never really got that notion in the movie leading up to that point that he felt like he was a failure as a father and a husband. You get the stories about him not being there. You get the story about him not being there when the wife is giving birth to their first child, their daughter, because he's playing a baseball game. Uh, you get ideas of them having to move around constantly because of whatever team he happens to be playing for, but they never really equate that to him feeling like he's uh, not as good of a father as he could have been. I, I wish they would have played into that more. Like I said, I think that gives the ending a little bit more power, but Wyatt Russell, amazing job. Carrie Condon, Academy Award-nominated actress, plays Eve Waller. Uh, she does a really good job in this movie. The, the rock of the family, the mother who is trying to hold everything all together while her husband's off playing baseball. She's the one taking care of the kids. And I love the story about how, you know, he... And, and this really isn't a spoiler, but Ray always tells the story about when his daughter was born, he was up to bat, and he just kind of knew she was born because he got this feeling of power surge through him, and he hits a home run. But I like the story where Eve's talking about how when she was giving birth to their daughter, she didn't have this feeling of power. You know, it was a, it was a troubled birth, and she just wasn't sure she was going to be able to do it, and that 
the daughter must have felt the fear inside of her and she kind of willed herself out and it was just a really kind of a uh, an interesting play on this character and that romantic story that Ray has about the birth of his daughter and that very real story of being in the moment of giving birth from from Eve when her daughter is born and just I, I really enjoyed that and it really said a lot about her as a mother that fear that mothers have about you know can they even do this are they going to be you know good at raising their children and seeing where she has come from I, I think they did a better job at portraying the fears of parenthood and the fear of whether you're doing a good job or not through the mom than they did Ray, and that should have played more into his story, given the end of this film. Now, the two kids, uh, Izzy and Elliot Waller, played by Amelie Hufferly, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right, and Gavin Warren, I thought they did a really good job. I, I really, you know, they played a believable older sister, younger brother. She's, you know, she's the typical teenager into boys. And, you know, uh, she has that relationship with her younger brother where she always giving him shit, but you love him anyway. And, and they didn't have a contentious relationship. They had a very, you know, average brother-sister relationship. I, I like the Elliot character because of these two Izzy is the older sibling and she's kind of like the golden child as the older child sometimes is. And Elliot, of course, being the young boy, he kind of feels the pressure of following in his father's footsteps and being good at baseball. And, you know, they had this thing, oh, this is your year. And it's kind of implied that he's not that good at baseball as, as a lot of kids are you know there's so many parents out there that think their child is going to be the next star baseball player or football player or hockey player or basketball player or, or whatever sport your child happens to be in and just by the law of averages they're not they're going to be average at best and you get this from this character Elliot how he kind of feels the pressure to be good at baseball even though he's not because his father is a baseball player and his father wants him to follow in his footsteps and be good at baseball just like him. So it was really interesting characters and I thought all of the actors did really well with these with these characters. You had some side characters that were were very interesting. But ultimately, like I said, this was a an interesting story that delved into some lore that you didn't really get an overabundance of explanation on, but I don't think you needed it, especially if you are going to do a sequel to this movie, which uh, they didn't rule that out, but they didn't give you the notion that there wouldn't be a sequel. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. If we do get a sequel to this, whether they explore the lore a little bit more, and we'll, we'll dive into the lore of this movie uh, once we get into the spoiler section. But all in all, not a bad movie. For my first movie, uh, experience of 2024, not bad. I enjoyed this movie for what it was. Like I said, not perfect in any stretch. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those imperfections later as, as well as the good things, the things I did like about this, but a pretty good horror movie for 2024 to open things up. And I'm glad I watched it. I encourage you to go check it out. If you haven't watched Night Swim, go do that and come back, listen to my thoughts. If you have watched it or you don't care one way or the other, you weren't planning on watching watching it and you want to hear what all the fuss is about, 
then, hey, you know what? We're going to head into some spoiler territory. But if you haven't watched this movie, spoilers are ahead. So I found the beginning of this movie interesting because you you see the pool. You're at the house that we're going to spend the rest of this time with. But it's not the family you see in the trailer. Uh, you have this little girl, Rebecca. And you get this kind of mini story. This is taking place in 1992. And it really is kind of setting up that there's something wrong with this pool. And of course, this this young girl, Rebecca, down at the pool in the middle of the night and all the horror that happens with her. I thought they did some really interesting things with this when she gets pushed into the water or, or pulled into the water. You're not really sure by some force that you cannot see. You see some moments where like she's bobbing in and out of the water and you have the diving board in the background. And there's a couple shots where there is a figure crouching down on this diving board and it's really creepy and really bizarre and then it cuts away and then it cuts back and the the figure is gone so right away it did a really good job of capturing a bit of a creepy atmosphere beside the fact that there's something going on pulling this child into the water and anytime you get a child in danger that always ups the ante and makes things a, a little more tense I, there was some tension that I thought they did really well with this first scene that didn't quite hold throughout the movie. That's not to say there weren't some moments of tension, but I just don't think they did a really good job of creating that tension and keeping that feeling of of dread and and worry going throughout the movie but they did have some moments and this was one of those moments i thought it was done really well uh the little girl rebecca uh adorable as can be and it was nice to see her show up in that finale that uh, climax of the movie where she's helping eve and elliot find their way back from the the depths of the pool we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later but uh the young actress who played her i thought she did a really good job but you get the rest of this movie is kind of very indicative of what you get with a lot of movies from the 70s and 80s especially supernatural horror movies or supernatural thrillers i i thought a, a lot about poltergeist in watching this movie i thought a lot about uh, the Amityville Horror when watching this movie because you have a, a family either moving into a house or I I think in Poltergeist they may have already been established there. They'd moved in recently, but but they'd been living in this house for, for a little while. And you have supernatural things starting to happen and you have a father who gets taken over by these supernatural occurrences. I, I think that happened more in Poltergeist 2 than Poltergeist 1, but definitely in Amityville Horror. And both of those movies do a really good job of taking, you know, kind of mundane, everyday things of suburban life and putting a horror twist to it. Uh, the house in Amityville Horror, so many different things in Poltergeist, the pool, clown dolls, television sets. And that was one of the things I found interesting about Bryce McGuire and this movie is finding out later in watching some interviews with him and reading some interviews with him is that there was those types of movies, Amityville Horror and Poltergeist, that he drew a lot of inspiration from. 
And was glad to hear that because you saw that all throughout this movie. And if you're going to do a horror movie, I think those are some really good quality horror films to draw inspiration from. But that's what he wanted. He wanted kind of that 70s, 80s uh, suburban horror vibe. And and he he nailed that. I thought he got that just right. Uh, He even went so far as to use some old like lenses from the 80s. So the filming felt from that era. And he nailed that spot on. I think one of the things I also enjoyed about this was is that, uh, it, it, you know, the movie's called Night Swim because the original short was called Night Swim. But I liked how the horror of this movie didn't all just take place at night. I like how you had various moments that horror was happening, but it wasn't always at night. I think you had that moment where Eve, played by Carrie Condon, uh, she's swimming. That scene was very emblematic and probably the one thing that was directly taken from the short film back in 2014 because that that scene with Eve swimming at night, back and forth, doing laps, it, it very much was the setting for the night swim uh, short, but you had scenes with her that were that that was kind of creepy. It, it felt very much like it was probably the most akin to the short. Uh, that Marco Polo scene was really creepy. The only thing I found a little unbelievable about the Marco Polo scene, and, and I really liked it, and it worked as far as building tension and being creepy and and a little bit scary, is that. The daughter, Izzy, is in this pool with this boy that she likes, and they're playing Marco Polo. She's got her eyes closed, and he gets out of the pool. He's cheating. Fish out of water. Uh, But she's saying Marco Polo, and all of a sudden, things start to get creepy. And you hear this whispery voice returning the polo line it's not his voice it's somebody else and she keeps you know going oh this is this isn't funny you're scaring me and but yet she keeps her eyes closed and keeps playing the game if shit got scary like that and things started getting creepy and the voice doesn't sound right and sometimes got a little demonic sounding that's where i open my eyes boys and girls uh, that's where we should all open our eyes. Don't keep playing the game once people are starting to play games with you. Uh, that I found a little unbelievable. But for the most part, the scene worked as far as creating a really creepy atmosphere, creating tension of what was going on. Uh, things got a little special effecty, and she's under the water and seeing things. Uh, that's where I think this movie it, it excelled, but you just you're you're so confused as to what's going on. And then it, you, you start to get things making a little more sense later on when you're when you're figuring things out but but I, I enjoyed that scene i i've seen people talking bad about that scene outside of the fact that it's not realistic that she would continue to keep her eyes closed and play the game i i, I still enjoyed that scene the scene with uh elliot where you know he wants his dad to go play in the pool because they have this game where they toss you know a handful of quarters into the pool and then the kids go swimming under try to see how many quarters they can get without coming up for air and dad's working out because we'll get into that later but Elliot's off playing this game by himself and you see him underwater and all of a sudden there's just more coins being tossed in and you know that it's not 
it's not the dad. It's not Ray. Uh, you, it's some entity of some sort tossing these in, tossing them closer and closer to the deep end. And that, it wasn't necessarily scary, but it did create a bit of tension that I thought was effective because you know that is not anybody in his family throwing that money into the pool. You know it is some evil entity tossing money further and further into the deep end to the drain where we know some shit goes down there and he's swimming closer and closer to that deep end where he's been told to stay in the shallow end. And I, I think it worked as a tension driven scene and attention building scene now for me in this movie probably one of the most if not the most interesting character is Wyatt Russell's character Ray because like I said he is this baseball player who's been diagnosed with MS he cannot do anything about it I mean there is no cure for MS and but he still has this unrealistic lack of managing of expectations that he is going to somehow get this beat get this figured out and get back on the field playing baseball. And I think that's probably part of the tragedy of it and part of the allure or the addiction of it. I'm not quite sure. They kind of delve into a lot of different things there. But once he starts swimming in this pool, and we'll get into the lore of why, but this pool starts to have some healing properties. A cut on his hand is all of a sudden healed. Uh, because he spent time in the pool, he's starting to feel better because he spent time in this pool. His symptoms from the MS diagnosis are starting to reverse because he is spending this time in this pool. And, and it almost becomes a, a little bit of a, a play off of addiction. He becomes addicted to, to going into this pool because of the regenerative process and, and properties of this pool, not realizing that there's always a price for that sort of magic, if you will. But it kind of saw it coming uh, a little bit. Not, not greatly, but uh, that whole notion of the father of the family that's supposed to be the 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 rock of the family getting possessed and and being the bad guy we see that in poltergeist uh maybe more so two than one you see that in amityville horror you see that in the shining and they most literally have him like physically get possessed when he's under the water and that kind of black water comes up from the drain and it enters him and and you get the not only the idea that he's been possessed, but like the physical look of him being possessed. That, I don't know how much that worked, but I understand why they did it. It, it made sense for the movie. And I suppose since I've delved into this and I've kind of skirted around it and flirted with the idea of the lore of this, this is probably a good time to talk about that before we talk about my thoughts on the climax of the whole thing. But the idea of this, and they did it in... A lot of exposition. I'm not a fan of that, especially when it's just exposition for exposition's sake. And you can't find a better way to get this information out there than just having somebody who is the foremost expert on whatever telling you this information dump. They had a couple moments of that. They had the the pool technician uh, when they realized the pool needs cleaned out and, and they're getting it ready. This pool tech comes by and he gives an information dump about how, oh, well, this pool is one of those rare 
pools being fed by a natural spring. There's a natural spring under this pool and, and the water is coming from there. And I can't remember all he goes into, whether they went into the natural health benefits. And that was a big thing. I, I know, especially around like the turn of the century, maybe even further back, uh, natural springs were a big thing here in the United States. I live uh, just a 20-minute drive south of Cambridge Springs, Pennsylvania, which was a boom in the in the turn of the century because they had natural springs there and there. You know, it's this tiny little nothing hole in the wall blip on a map, but it had like tons of huge hotels, the Ryder Hotel, the Riverside Hotel, the Bartlett, and all because of natural springs. So a, a big thing once upon a time, and this house has one of those under it. Now there's another information dump where Eve goes to talk to the mother of Rebecca, who was presumably killed at the beginning of the movie. And that was a really weird scene. The, Of course, the, the woman who played the mother did a really good job with this character. But the character in itself was really weird because you find out she is also possessed by the water. But she gives this information dump about, uh, you know wishing wells and the idea of wishing wells and that under this house was an old spring once upon a time and this spring granted you a wish but it also required a sacrifice as payment for that wish now how is she would know this on the surface it seems unrealistic but if she is possessed by the water this dark water this deep water which it's implied that it's some sort of evil spirit of some sort uh if she's possessed by this she would have kind of like that collective memory so she would know this if she is possessed by this thing uh, wh why this thing would tell eve that i don't know but at first i'm like oh well, how would she know all of this stuff but then it, it kind of dawned on me that yeah if she's possessed by this evil spirit by this this dark water then yeah she would have a collective memory of of all the things and it implies that people have been sacrificed in order to get their wish granted in the case of this lady rebecca's mother she had a sick son and wanted her sick son to be well so she essentially sacrificed her daughter so her son could be well and become a, an ambassador eve does research realizing that rebecca wasn't the only person that had gone missing in that area in that pool whatever i, I think there would have been i think there was a better way to do all of this lore explanation whether it would have been eve just doing research or finding some sort of ancient local lore online. I, I think that I would have liked that better than just somebody giving an exposition dump. It's not that I needed to know what this evil spirit was or what it wants, because I think there are ancient powers that have been in existence before the dawn of time. And who are we to know or understand their whims and their wants and their desires. So I'm okay with the, it's just an evil spirit and who the hell knows what it wants. I'm, I'm fine with that as an explanation. I don't need to go further. There's nothing wrong with that. I just wish the divulging of this information, the idea of so many people going missing, I, I wish we would have got a little more 
exploration into Eve figuring this out, as opposed to seeing just a, a like three pictures of missing persons uh, from the pool. But it is the idea that this evil spirit has had all these f- people sacrificed to it, trapped essentially in this pocket dimension that this pool is the portal to. Essentially what it boils down to. I don't know if that's an official explanation, but that's that's my explanation. And I really love that scene where the pool has used its regenerative powers, restorative powers and properties to heal Ray of his MS. But the price is Ray's son, Elliot. Ray is possessed, so it's Eve and Izzy who have to save Elliot. And I like that scene where where she dives in and she looks up and and the, the pool opening is just so far away. She's dived into this other dimension to get her son. And she has her son... And she's trying to keep all these spirits from from clawing and grabbing at it. There wasn't really a good explanation as to why the spirits of these dead people. Uh, I'm assuming there are other dead people, other people that were sacrificed. Why they're trying to keep Elliot. Maybe it is something kind of like Poltergeist where uh, the spirits of the dead are attracted to the light of the living. I don't know. They really don't go into that. I wish that kind of would have been... Not necessarily explained, but alluded to in some regard. But Eve is trying to to swim her son, Elliot, to safety. And she comes across this little girl, Rebecca, who we saw at the beginning of the movie. We know she's dead. And she divulges uh, through a very interesting way that Eve is swimming in the wrong direction. She's not swimming to safety. She's swimming deeper into this abyss. And there's a really cool camera shot where Eve and Elliot flip around and start swimming towards the surface. I I, I thought that was a really cool scene. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the callback to the Rebecca character and how maybe since, you know, it has been 30 years, but to the dead, what is 30 years? Uh, She maybe isn't that far gone that she's trying to keep them there. I, I don't know. There again, it's nothing that's ever really explained part of me wants it explained a little more but part of me feels like i don't need it explained i can draw my own conclusions and i i think that's not a bad thing when you're watching a movie if you're able to draw your own conclusions as to what happens i think that's all that's that's a part of the fun of cinema and that's a part of the fun of stories and storytelling is that each person can kind of glean from it what they will kind of like something we talked about on a fairly recent episode about how you know everyone you know takes their own baggage into the story and comes out with that same baggage and then of course that climax where they've rescued elliot you think the family is going to be safe and happy ending kumbaya the pool doesn't win elliot is still under the effects of this this water from this pool and is still dying and Ray sacrifices himself swimming into this portal, into this abyss, into this other dimension, uh, sacrificing himself for his son. And then that's where you get the uh, dialogue and kind of the denouement that he always felt like a, a good baseball player, but he was never really sure he was a good father or husband. And that was his way uh, of showing it, that that. He was. And and that was an interesting, I, I really thought it was a, a heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, and it was not played into well enough leading up to it. I, I wish we really could have got some more of those doubts 
from him about whether he is a good father or whether he is a good husband. It didn't even really feel like it was alluded to that much. I think that would have made that scene, that sacrifice, a little more powerful. Not that it wasn't powerful enough. Anytime somebody's sacrifices themselves for, for those they love in the movie, it's, it's going to get my waterworks going, or at least get them started. But I really enjoyed that. And then, of course, the very end, they're filling in the pool with dirt, so... Uh, nobody can get hurt again, but you know, it doesn't take much for that to all be reversed and we get a sequel somewhere down the line. Not that they did this to overtly say there is going to be a sequel, but they left it open, I think, which is it's always fun. Like I said, open endings to, to movies are good because it, it lets you know that one, there could be a sequel, but even beyond that, that the story doesn't end when the credits roll. And I'm always a, a fan of that. But ultimately, I, I enjoyed this movie. I, I know a lot of people and a lot of critics have maybe not panned it, but they're just not happy with it. They didn't like it for whatever reason. I thought it was pretty decent. I thought the acting was solid. I think one of the complaints is that the actors or the movie takes itself too serious. Well, this wasn't a campy, schlocky horror film, so why wouldn't you take it serious? You have actors who are taking their job serious. Why wouldn't you why wouldn't this film take itself serious? This wasn't the kind of hokey horror film that that you get with a bunch of camp. There were a couple characters, the real estate agent and the pool tech that played into a bit of ridiculousness. And it really did feel like those two characters were a part of a different movie than the rest of the actors. And it kind of stood out, and I almost didn't like it. I really wish they would have played those roles a little straighter than than they did. I mean, they, they had some funny moments. Yeah, but this wasn't a horror comedy. And why would you applaud that or or want that why would you chide Wyatt Russell and Karen Condon and the two kid actors for taking this job serious taking these roles serious when it's not a horror comedy of course they're going to take it serious it's a serious fucking film uh, not every horror film has to be some jokey slapsticky hey we know we're in a horror film and we're just going to have fun with it And it's not that there's not a place for that. But just because you didn't like the movie doesn't mean that was the answer to it. I also thought the the movie, like I said, it it had its faults. It had some leaps in logic at some points. The Marco Polo scene. Just open your eyes. Uh, There were some exposition dumps. There were some things that characters did that were like, why would you do that? (laughs) If your pool is haunted or demon-possessed or whatever. That was some of the supposition. I had two ladies sitting uh, a couple rows behind me that just talked. Not loud. They were whispering, but they were talking through the whole fucking movie. And there's nothing I hate more than that. Don't be so disrespectful to sit there and talk through the movie when I paid good money to watch the movie. Not hear you yammer on and give me your thoughts on the movie. You know what? If you want to give your thoughts on a movie, start a fucking podcast and, and do it then. But don't do it during the goddamn movie. But the lady, one lady was like, uh, right off the bat, it's possessed. The pool's possessed. Okay, if, that, if that's what your simple mind gleans from this, 
then so be it. But but there are some things that characters did, whether the pool's possessed, whether it's an evil spirit living in the pool, under the pool, swimming in the pool. Characters did things that you just don't do when that stuff's happening. But of course, at some point, where do you have to draw the line and say, you know what, the characters in the movie don't realize they're in a horror movie. So that kind of metagaming it doesn't always work as well. But I thought it did have some interesting tension. It had some decent tension. It had some decent atmosphere periodically. They didn't maintain that atmosphere and they didn't maintain that sense of dread and that sense of tension throughout the whole movie, which I, I really kind of wish they they had. It, it came sporadically. It had some creepy moments, but I wish it had more scary moments. And there were would have been some scary moments if not for the fact that they tried to create a jump scare by just playing a loud sound effect or a loud music cue or a, a loud discordant strum on a harp or, or some shit like that to make you startled and to, to make it a jump scare. And those are my least favorite jump scares because I, I want to be scared. I don't want to be startled. There's a huge difference between being scared and being startled. Being startled doesn't have anything to do with fear. It doesn't have anything to do with being scared of what you're seeing on the screen. It's just it's just abrupt and it just makes you jump. Uh, we're being scared about what's going on the screen. That's not to say something can't come out of nowhere, but you're relying what you're on what you're seeing to scare you and not necessarily just some big loud bang. Probably one of the biggest complaints I had about this movie is that it was only an hour and a half long, and that's usually a good time for, for any movie, but especially a horror movie. But uh, the hour and a half runtime felt so much longer than it really was. I mean, this felt like a two-hour movie, and not in a good way. There were times I was like, oh, this is this is still going on. Uh, the, the pacing had some some problems and, and there were some big issues with that a movie that's an hour and a half long shouldn't have felt this long and ultimately i thought this was a i thought it was a better script than i think some people have given it credit for i enjoyed the dialogue for the most part uh, i enjoyed the characters for the most part i enjoyed the story for the most part i thought it was a really good story i thought it was an interesting story it had things that happened in it that i thought okay this is going to go here and it diverted and went there. And if you want to call that subversion of expectations, go ahead. Uh, my expectations were thoroughly subverted in some regards. I thought everyone was going to survive this and we were going to have a happy ending and kumbaya uh, roll credits. But no, you ended up having the Ray character sacrificing himself for his family, which I, I didn't expect this out of this PG-13 horror film. I thought the effects were pretty decent. I really didn't have a problem with those. The underwater effects I thought were really good. The the creature and the demonic effects I, I thought were decent enough. I thought some of the weird designs on some of the the entities that you saw, whether they were demons, whether they were the ghosts or spirits of those that the the pool had killed before working as this evil spirits minions. I, I don't know there again, it didn't delve enough into the lore to know those things, but I thought the design on a lot of these creatures was, was pretty cool and pretty creepy. That bloated guy, which you would imagine after being underwater for however many decades or centuries, 
you'd probably be a little bloated like that too. I eat too much salty foods and I'm bloated up bigger than I already am. But I like the effects. I like the, the designs, the creature designs. And I thought it had a lot of really good shots. I thought the cinematography was was pretty good. There again, uh, there were a couple shots that I found really interesting and really cool. Everything else was fairly standard, but but done well enough. Uh, the lighting was kind of cool. Some of those uh, pool scenes, I, I thought they did a really good job with some of the camera angles, the overhead shots. Uh, I, there was just a lot to like about this movie. And if you didn't like this movie, I think you're focusing too much on the negative. Is this a great movie? No. Is it the greatest movie of the year? No, but if you just sit back and let yourself enjoy the movie, I think there is a lot to enjoy. It definitely is a movie that depends on lore, but it doesn't depend on you knowing every single syllable of the lore. And I think they gave you just enough of it to know or understand the basis of what's going on, and they leave enough out to make you make your mind work overtime to try and figure out in your own head what you just saw and why you just saw it. And to me, that's not a bad thing. I don't need to have everything spelled out. Sometimes you do need to have certain things spelled out for you, or at least quasi-explained, or, or the ideas uh, of what's going on entertains as far as exposition goes. But there are some things that you just don't have to have explained to know the basis of what's going on. And I think you get a lot of that in this movie. So ultimately, I enjoyed Night Swim. I thought it was a pretty good movie, but pretty good horror movie to start out 2024. And much like Megan, uh, I think I enjoyed Megan. I thought Megan was a better movie when it came out than this. But I thought Megan, okay, this is a, a good movie to come out in the, the beginning portions of 2023. Uh, I, I don't think Night Swim is on that level, uh, that quality of a film, but I do think it is a, a pretty good way to start out horror in 2024. And I, for one, enjoyed it. So hopefully you got a chance to catch Night Swim. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. I think it's another solid entry from Blumhouse. Uh, they didn't knock this one out of the park, but I thought it was was pretty good. Uh, another solid entry from James Wan as a producer. Uh, I really enjoyed most of this. I thought the direction was pretty good. I think Bryce McGuire did a really good job with the direction and the script. There again, not perfect by any stretch or, or in either case, but still pretty solid and pretty enjoyable. Will I watch this movie again? Uh, probably not, but I'm glad I watched it this time. I'm glad I got to see this movie, and hopefully you enjoyed this movie as much as I did. If not, hey, you know, to, to each his own. But if you haven't watched Night Swim, go check it out in theaters now, and uh, hopefully this is a, a good sign for, for even better things to come in the world of horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Night Swim. Pretty good film. Uh, you can check out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page and Instagram. We're always posting about horror fantasy and science fiction please like subscribe follow this podcast wherever you happen to be listening to it so that way you can stay on top of all that's going on with the podcast and our latest episodes and bonus episodes share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction help us build up our numbers and get the word out about odds bodkins curiosity shop and no matter what you do please leave those reviews five stars would be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that so until next time 
Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!